said, we have an example in Jesus of what it looks like to go through temptation. We thank you that we have your spirit to guide us, your words to guide us, and you to guide us. God, we thank you for your scriptures that you've given us even to give us encouragement as we go through these daily battles. God, we pray that today as we look through your word that you would lead us into a deeper understanding and a deeper knowledge of both your love as well as knowing your strength in our lives as we fight temptation, as we strive to walk in the light as you are in the light. God, we pray that you would be exalted this morning and that you would encourage our hearts today. We thank you and pray this in your name. Amen. So first, what is temptation? The words we translate as temptation in the Bible generally imply a test of faith of some sort with there being three general uses. The first being a testing of God's faithfulness. The second, a trial, a test of our faithfulness. And the third being a temptation or an enticement to sin. In this prayer, the meaning of temptation can largely be determined based on the context and the following phrase, but deliver us from evil. And a passage in James 1, 12 to 17 makes the comparison of these three types all the more clear. In James 1, 12 to 17, it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by, with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Concerning the first type of trial, the testing of God's faithfulness, this passage states there is no variation or shadow due to change. In another translation or paraphrase, there is no shadow of turning with God. Great is his faithfulness. For those who have become sons and daughters through faith in the cross, as much as we try God's patience and love, he waits and nothing can separate us from his love. From the Lord's Prayer, this is clearly not the temptation that is mentioned, and especially since we are to pray for us to be led not into temptation, not God. As for the second type, trials, the passage says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. They will receive the crown of life. Every good gift is from above. As God's children, he sends trials that are good and meant to further establish our faith as we trust in his provision. Peter in his first letter says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. These trials are for our benefit, as well as God's glory and praise. Although we may not always enjoy the trials in the moment, they are ultimately a good gift from God and definitely not an evil to be delivered from. Thus, we come to the third definition, temptation to sin. This takes up the bulk of the passage in James 13 to 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, 
For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Here we see clearly that both God cannot be tempted to evil. He is the father of lights. There is no shadow or darkness in him. But also that God does not tempt in this way, clearly opposed to the trials that he may send. We also see the biggest reason why we need to pray against temptation. If we walk into temptation, if we stay in temptation, we are all the more likely to give in to temptation as it leads towards sin. If we continue to remain there, rather than turning and going back to God, sin then grows and leads to destruction. This is the temptation we are to pray against. This is the danger being warned against here. Sin and destruction which flow from temptation. A definition given by John Owen states that temptation is anything, state, way, or condition that on any account whatever has a force or efficacy to seduce, to draw the mind and heart of a man away from the obedience which God requires of him into any sin in any degree whatever. Let me say that one more time. Temptation is anything, state, way, or condition that on any account whatever has a force or efficacy to seduce, to draw the mind and heart of a man away from the obedience which God requires of him into any sin in any degree whatever. That is the temptation we are to pray against. Temptation that draws our minds and hearts away from obedience to God and leads us into any sin. Temptation that leads to choosing disobedience and making other things more important in our lives than God. This is what we need to pray both against being led into and deliverance from daily. This temptation can come from various places and will look different from person to person, but generally come from three places or combinations thereof. The devil, the fallen world around us, and our flesh. We see this in various passages in the Bible, but especially concisely, we see this in Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Whether from the world, from the devil, or from our flesh, giving into temptation and living a life of walking in sin results in destruction, broken relationships, emptiness, ultimately the wrath of God. Continuing in Ephesians 2, however, we see the truth that ultimately removes this wrath from us and frees it, us from it, all who believe in it anyways, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
through the cross, even though we had all sinned and been deserving of wrath and destruction, God made a way for us to be made alive. Through Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, the power of sin and death was defeated. By trusting in Jesus' atoning sacrifice, we can be forgiven. The wrath of God poured out on the cross and on Christ. This not by any power of our own, but through the power of God. And now that we are alive in him, we are freed to walk in the purposes God has for each of us. We are freed to walk in the light as he is in the light, resulting in fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleansing us from all sin. As the workmanship of God, he has prepared good works for all of us to walk in. This is where temptation arises. Although freed from sin, we are now still tempted to turn our back on God and all he has done for us and choose sin. Now that we know what temptation is, as well as generally where it comes from, what does it mean to pray, lead us not into temptation? As we've already seen, God is not the one who tempts us in this way. So why pray for him to lead us not into temptation? This is a prayer of reliance on God, even in the midst of temptation. If we only got here because of all that God has done, how could we stop trusting in him? How could we now expect to do it ourselves? Ultimately, God leads our every step, even as the enemy, the world, and our flesh tempts us at every turn. This here is the first part of the verse, it being proactive prayer, praying against future temptation. Prayer for God to guard us against these temptations that will arise coming from all sides. On this subject, John Piper writes, every step we take into the Every step we take is a step into the presence of temptation. There is no moment of your life that is not a moment of temptation, a moment when unbelief and disobedience is not a possibility. The Lord's Prayer does not teach us to pray against that kind of sovereign guidance. What it teaches us to pray is that the temptation does not take us in. Don't lead us into temptation. Deliver me from this evil that is set before me. Today, I will stand before innumerable temptations that's what life is, endless choices between belief and unbelief, obedience and disobedience. But almighty God, forbid that I would yield, hold me back from stepping inside of temptation. As the song says, bind my wandering heart to thee. Ultimately, our call is to love God with all we have and to love our neighbors as ourselves, as we walk in this light. Daily, many things will suggest for us to not do that, for us to not love those we are called to love, to draw us towards idolatry, towards selfish ambitions, and to love ourselves instead. We need God's strength to win against temptation, to flee, to resist, and to worship God in all things. In addition to praying against temptation, for God to give us divine protection from falling into it, for the opposite of falling into temptation, is a logical extension of that. Not just praying to not be led into temptation, but praying to be led into times of deeper faithfulness and joy in God. The temptation would even lose its power to entice us. This is seen throughout the Psalms. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me 
and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you, I wait all the day long. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. May he lead us. May he guide us in, in that way everlasting as he roots out evil in our lives. May we trust his ways and his love are better than anything the world could tempt us with. Luther, in his smaller catechism on this topic, states, God surely tempts no one to sin, but we pray this petition that God would guard us and keep us so that the devil would, the world, and our flesh may not deceive us or lead us into false belief, despair, and other great and shameful sins. And though we are tempted by them, we pray that we may overcome and win the victory. Our duty then, in the first half of this verse, is twofold, and is as Christ had stated elsewhere. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We need to do our part in avoiding temptation, to be on alert for any sign that temptation is approaching, so that there would be less chance for us to fall in and allow temptation to have a grip on our hearts. And we are to pray daily, ultimately relying on God's strength and provision to work through us in this endeavor. It's a combination there of us as well as God working together in this endeavor. It's kind of, it doesn't really work if you do one or the other. You kind of need to do both. If you're not watching, you'll just be in a place of temptation and praying kind of emptily for there not to be temptation. Whereas if you're not praying, then you don't have God's strength to combat temptation. It's kind of like that old parable, so to say, of someone drowning in the ocean, praying for him to be saved, and a boat comes up and is like, just get in the boat. And they're like, oh, but I'm praying for God to save me. It's like, we gotta do both parts. You gotta look for your way out of temptation. You gotta avoid temptation, as well as praying for God to be leading us into the path everlasting. As part of this alert, we need to know ourselves. This alert watching, we need to know ourselves. We need to know our weaknesses. We need to be willing to admit our weaknesses and be willing to ask for God to be our strength. Paul warns those in Corinth, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. And to the Galatians, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. To the Ephesians, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Now that we know what temptation is and to pray proactively before temptation draws us in, so now, what does it mean for us to pray, deliver us from evil? The reality is that even as we watch and pray against temptation, there will be times when we are drawn in. This is the first reason we need to cry out for deliverance. God is powerful and he is mighty to save us. For no temptation has overcome you that is not common to man. God is faithful and will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. God faithfully promises he will provide when we call upon him, 
he will provide a way out. Although our ability runs short, he provides by his spirit greater ability yet to love him above all else. In other passages yet, the word says that the spirit of God, the one who raised Christ from the dead, he is in us and is stronger than the enemy in the world. And do not get me wrong, the enemy is strong. He's very strong. On our own, we would lose. But God is with us to the end of the age and when every enemy is struck down and his kingdom is fully established. God is far more powerful than the enemy. And as we rely on him, we can be delivered from temptation. This, the establishment of his kingdom is the second reason why we cry out for deliverance. The world as it is now is fallen and the devil rules as the prince of the power of the air or in another passage, he's referred to as the God of this world. But God our Father, he has assured ultimate victory in this war through the cross and what Jesus did. The kingdom of God is now forcefully advancing in the hearts of men and women around the nations and the enemy cannot stop it. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. On this, I would love to discuss more fully, especially as it presents itself as kind of a second layer to the entirety of the Lord's Prayer, praying for the kingdom to come, for God's name to be praised and exalted as he is rightfully deserving of, as he frees men and women from the power of darkness and sin. We are to participate in this battle for the kingdom through prayer, as well as the sharing of the good news of Christ, that though we were dead in our sins, and though we were having this huge debt that we could never pay, that God did make a way through the cross, through Christ, that we could be forgiven and that we could know him. All the more that he has a purpose for us and that he will provide for us to walk in the light that he is calling us to. God is ultimate in power and his deliverance for us will come when we cry out in the midst of temptation, as well as for ultimate deliverance of ourselves and the nations in the age to come. As Luther put it on this topic in his smaller catechism, we pray in this petition, in summary, that our Father in heaven would rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation, and finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to himself in heaven. A two-fold deliverance, both now and in the age to come. So we know now what temptation is, to pray proactively and reactively against it and trusting in God's power now and in the age to come. On a final note, what was Jesus' example? Because that really is the make or break point here. If the one we are to follow in the light, the one that we are to be disciples of, if he didn't do this, then why should we be doing it? If he says we should pray like this, did he? Did this apply to him as well? It definitely did. 
when Jesus was on earth, he was tempted throughout his ministry. The clearest and greatest series of temptations recorded at the beginning of his ministry in the book of Matthew in chapter four. This was where the spirit led him into the wilderness and the devil tempted him repeatedly. Furthermore, later on, we see Jesus tempted by Peter when Peter was trying to talk him out of going to the cross. In that case, Jesus rebuked that thought, stating that Peter was not setting his mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Jesus was adamant. He was patient. He was alert to any inclination of temptation. He prayed ceaselessly. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in the, his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. Because he rejected temptation at every point, all of us and all those outside the church as well, we can turn and receive God's graces. Because he now lives and his spirit in us, we are alive and can follow in his footsteps. Because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This was Jesus' example. Faithfulness through every temptation and trial he was tempted in every respect as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then draw confidence and draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Though temptation to evil be all around, we can pray for God to guard us from falling into it and to lead us in his ways instead. We can pray for deliverance when we do fall into temptation and for the ultimate deliverance of his kingdom coming and being established, defeating all enemies. In Christ, we have a brother who is always there to help us. Oh God, deliver us from our enemies. Oh Lord, we have fled to you for refuge. Teach us to do your will, for you are our God. Let your good spirit lead us on level ground. For your name's sake, O oh Lord, preserve our lives. In your righteousness, bring our souls out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off our enemies and you will destroy all the adversaries of our souls. For we are your servants. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that you are all powerful and that you have given us this commandment to pray, to trust in you in all these things. God, you are good and you do provide. God, you provide both deliverance from temptation when we fall into it, as well as the power to walk in your paths, to trust in your spirit, to read in, read, in your, read in your word all the things that you're calling us to, and to know that you provide to do those things. Lord, I pray that you would help us to not walk into temptation and not walk in sin. But Lord, would you deliver us from that? Help us to walk in the light as you are in the light. Would you cleanse us from all sin? Would you help us to take the light in fellowship with you and one another. God, would temptation lose its power over us? Would you fight the spiritual battle that is attacking us and win? God, would your kingdom come? Would your kingdom be established in the hearts of us here as well as men and women in the nations? Would your name be lifted high and your fame be glorified? We thank you that you are powerful over the enemies and that you are good. We thank you and we pray this all in your name knowing that you do more than we ask and imagine. Amen.